You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 25 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in existence. I'm your host, Hillary J, and today we are talking copy, but we're actually talking about much more, how a copywriting business can lead into an entirely different enterprise. But before we get on our track, let's give a holla to J Hill Marketing, the sponsor of this program. Thanks for the support. My guest today is Andrew Walton. He has been a copywriter to some seriously influential people. He's fascinating because he runs a thriving business and immerses himself in a field that can yield a super solid return. Now, Andrew Walton is the creator of the 27X Method, and he is going to share with you his crush-worthy system that he uses on the daily to dominate. Please welcome my intriguing friend, Andrew Walton. Andrew Walton, you are here in the digital studio. What is up? Hey, Hillary. Thanks for having me. So great to be here. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. Oh, my gosh. I just, we just keep gravitating back towards each other and just kind of probing each other a little bit like, what do you have going on? <laughs> when are you going to work together? What's going on? And I, I just think it's really cool that you're here on the Sick Biz Buzz today. Um, you have made a success of your business and yourself. And uh, I really think you're going to help people. That is, that's my main hope of being here. You know, as you said, we've been sort of kicking it back and forth a little bit. And I always had the impression, I, I have the feeling that you did too, that we always were going to collaborate at some point. And I think this is a great way to to get that started, to to share to share some of this, some of my story and some of what we both learned uh, with this audience. Yeah, we're going to talk about learning lessons for shizzle. Um, I want to talk about your schedule, first of all. I'm going to be that nitpicky school receptionist. What kind of schedule are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about your schedule. There's a lot of conversation these days about people having a particular schedule. They adhere to it. Uh, the number one thing is that you got to be a baller in the morning and you know drink a green drink and kick your own ass. So I want to either dispel that or even offer that uh, more supportive facts, I guess we'll call them. Sure. Okay. So that's a really interesting point. And actually, in terms of how I try to schedule my day and, and combine being effective at certain times versus giving myself the freedom to, uh, to rest when I need it or to be flexible when I need it, as as you probably know, and as your listeners can probably relate to, I have some health challenges that require some degree of flexibility in my schedule. But at the same time, I know there are a couple times throughout the day where I am really, really effective and times during the day where I know that I'm much less effective. So uh, an example from, from my own life, I don't wake up particularly early. Uh, I find that really difficult. I usually get started my work day around 
between 9.30 and 10 in the morning, and between 10 and noon is where I'm absolutely at my best. So that's when I'm doing most of my value-producing work, and I have that reasonably strict. Now, there are some days where I can't do that exactly, but I know that in any given 24-hour period, this is where when I'm going to be most effective. It's when I have the most energy. It's when I have the least amount of pain. It's when I'm the most positive, and that's when, so that's when I can do the value-producing work. And then throughout the rest of the day, uh, I know that there are certain things that I want to get done, but I have to give myself the flexibility to uh, sometimes it might be a doctor's visit. Sometimes it might be I have to take a nap. Sometimes it might be something else. Uh, so so perfectly strict scheduling I don't think is necessary to run a successful business. I think it's more a matter of understanding where your peaks and valleys are in terms of energy, mood, and other things like this. Uh, that is such a phenomenal amount of insight. And, and I'm in agreement with you 100%. My journey would have been far easier and the the peaks and valleys of it shorter if I had just identified at the get-go like, okay, there are some optimal times of operation and let's really uh, make sure that we're working in those times, you know, to best benefit productivity. And so I want people to think about that. Think about how is your business running Think about, are you exhausted at the end of the day? Think about, if you can identify a period of time when you are more likely to make mistakes, for example, I think that's super, super important. You also can be a person who hits the majority of the workday. So you've got some people that get up at 5.30 in the morning and then they might stop earlier in the day. You could be that person, like Andrew is saying, get up later and you can go a little bit later. So you can capture some of those evening appointments and things like that. But the first thing is to um, take a look at your productivity. Maybe you could even track it and then see how you can apply those optimal times to improve it. And here's a bonus. And I always love bonuses like these that involve more sleep and less fatigue. Um, the bonus is that you're not going to be taxing yourself or wearing yourself out as much. Absolutely. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I would. I think we maybe have a, a little glitch timing, but you know what? We just keep rolling. We keep rolling. We never, we never call cut around here. Doesn't matter. That could mean there might be a dog throwing up in the background. I might have indigestion. We keep going. That's <laughs> so, Hillary, I think to your point, one thing that I wanted to add and one thing that I've been working on lately is I used to do this more often. And now that I understand where my peaks and valleys are and I sort of have a good flow throughout my day, uh, I don't do this as often, but if you're just getting started with this, I think it makes a lot of sense to set a timer every half hour or hour, and then on that hour or on that half hour, look back and reflect on the past hour and think, okay, how was my energy doing during this hour? How was my mood? Was I effective during this hour or ineffective? And if I was effective, why? And if I was ineffective, uh, why wasn't I more effective? And when you can do that, and you gather a week or two weeks of data, you're going to start to see the patterns and say, oh, geez, 
uh, early afternoon, I'm at the top of my game. Or conversely, at early afternoon, I need to take an hour off and do something else because I'm just not on the ball. Something like that, I think, is really, really effective. And it doesn't even speak to, uh, you know, I need to put everything down and don't and go take a nap. And some of us do and some of us don't. Uh, It might be just switching up and peeling your eyes off of the screen. And uh, maybe you're going to go organize that dreaded file cabinet, you know, in your office uh, or something along those lines. Or maybe you're going to finally move over all your digital files. You know, you haven't trusted the cloud, and so they're backed up on your computer. Maybe it's time you do something like that. You know, you just change up the focus of what you're doing because that breaks up the monotony, which leads to fatigue. And I'm going to plug something super quick right now because uh, on my way back from the Tribe Mastermind last week, I met a gentleman who was in, uh, who is in fatigue management, which was fascinating. I'm not a very good flyer, so I like to glom on to people, and I'm that person that's like, hi, we're going to talk this entire time. Tell me your whole life story. Why don't you like cheese? So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have him on the show. I'm super excited about it. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, so... Now let's move ahead. So I think that was very valuable that you shared that. And I hope that people will take a chance to just sit back and be that data nerd that they know is deeply embedded inside them and (laughs) examine their performance. Um, So I want to skip ahead and give you a chance to give your elevator speech. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's, it's really interesting that you say that because I'm actually right at this point in time sort of pivoting the direction of my business. So while I used to be more involved in copy and conversion, as you know, right now, if I'm going to give my elevator pitch, I would say that I now today, starting from essentially a week ago, uh, so again, really timely, Uh, I help world-class experts and premium service providers uh, move from six, uh, grow their businesses from six figures to seven figures while charging more and working less. Because what I'm focusing on now, what I'm focusing on now is high-ticket sales and high-ticket selling systems. So, as you can see, have to work on that a little bit, but that's essentially that's my new pitch. Um, I think your pitch was great. Uh, and, and, you know, and delivering it effectively really doesn't have anything to do with our, our idiosyncratic uh, language habits. So, sure you know, I say just uh, like, for instance, I am very predisposed to use the word stupid when mm. I'm frustrated. And I've, I've noticed that. Um, and so I'm taking a moment to pull that out of my vocabulary because truthfully, I think that's one of the worst, most self-defeating words in our in our language, in multiple languages. Um, and so I'm refusing to participate in that negativity. And I'm imparting the same to you that when you um, stumble or whatever, which I do, how many times on this podcast? We can't <laughs> keep 
track of that. Um, I don't go into the grotto of like, oh shit, I should have done this or whatever. Like, who cares? This is imperfect action and it is far more powerful than sitting back and saying, but this has to be right and this has to be right and this has to be right. You are going for it. That's exactly why you're here. That's that's a really good point, Hillary. And so thank you for that, first of all. And I guess to, to your listeners, uh, we all are our own harshest critics, aren't we? And I know if I were talking to one of my clients or I was consulting someone, I would probably say the exact same thing. It really isn't about, uh, it's not about the delivery. It's about uh, your message and actually doing the work and getting out there. And so first of all, thank you to you. And it's a, I think it's a really good point. And it's nice to have someone that can help you reflect on your own situation and be like, oh yeah, I really, I really could change my perspective on, on how I'm looking at this. You absolutely can. And it just takes a little bit of a mindful habit forming, um, you know, and you do have strong habits. I know you do because you are a copywriter or were a copywriter for Neil Patel. But with the change in your business, I'm not sure if you're still doing this, but I know that you have worked with him and that's freaking phenomenal. Yeah, so I actually I actually scaled down my work with Neil around the time I got married, which was in last August, mm-hmm. to to really start working on on my own projects uh, with my own because working with Neil was was wonderful, but I wanted to grow my own business. As many of us entrepreneurs do, we start working with with someone who's several steps ahead of us. We we learn the ropes, and then we want to build our own thing. So that happened uh, in my life and in my business over the last half year. So. I'm not doing copywriting for Neil right now, but the experience was absolutely invaluable. And because of that experience, I'm able to, it's been a large part of what's allowed me to have the success that I have had on my own instead of trying to figure it all out from scratch. Um, I'm living that existence and working with Ryan Stuman as his on-call editor. I'm living that existence. And I think a, a huge component is that is that we are a malleable a uh, couple of personalities. We are open to coaching. We are open to learning. And so if if you're someone who's struggling with that, I just want to impart that to you today. If we had not remained open to learning, and sometimes we can get very hung up on, oh, but I'm the expert and I have to present the value in this way. I have to present this expertise. But that can hurt you if you're working with high, high, high influencers who are teaching you for nada. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think I could put it better myself. That's the, that is the truth. I mean, these, the, the opportunity to work with someone like Ryan or like Neil or uh, for, for the listeners, whoever, whoever your hero is or whoever you look up to and want to be like, the opportunity to work with that person, you sort of have to, or you don't have to, but I would recommend putting your ego aside and giving yourself the opportunity to soak up as much knowledge and experience as you possibly can. And what is ego? And we've talked about this a little bit on the show and I write about it, etc. Ego is to me, there can be a healthy ego and there can be the defensive ego. Any of that posturing that you're seeing or people that say, I'm an expert in this. And then they're, they're high. They take high offense when you start to engage them in conversation, why does this work? Why does that work? 
that's not a healthy ego. And if you feel the need to defend very severely your services, your logistics, your strategies, and it, it makes you feel like you're backed into a corner, then I invite you not necessarily to focus on changing that action, but to think about how you really feel about yourself. Why are you coming out swinging? Because the quieter self-confidence that exists in you isn't as healthy as it could be. Feel freaking good about what you know. And if somebody's challenging you in an area where you don't feel particularly strong, engage in some training, start practicing more effective habits, but it's you're only going to hurt yourself if you're not open to learning. And you set the bar so high while making it so incredibly low to be at 100% and to be that voracious bulldog defending what you know and how great you are, you really hurt yourself. Absolutely. And I think that one of the challenges that we all face uh, as entrepreneurs is we want to, of course, we want to be the expert, to show our expertise and to have people interested in working with us. But finding that balance or not even that balance, having the, the strength of character, having the, the internal, I guess, I guess that you could say mindset. It's not my favorite word, but having the mindset of I'm open to learning while at the same time positioning myself as this expert and being able to do both of those at once is is not easy for a lot of people. And I think, Hillary, what you just had to say about how to tactically go about cultivating that skill set that allows you to do that is, is right on point. And it calls for self-awareness, which is a difficult uh, concept and practice. I want to say that's a that's a self-care best practice, in fact, because it's not only about being aware of your own behavior, but more so the perception of other people and how they interact with you. But it starts with self-awareness, and that begins with being okay with what you're going to find out about yourself. You must have a basis of very strong self-love in order to non-emotionally and from a non-biased standpoint examine your own behaviors and responses or uh, I guess we'll call them instigations. Maybe that has a negative connotation, but the interactions that you take part in that come from you, that originate from you, and you need to examine those particular pieces of self-awareness. But when you're strong enough to do so, you will continue leveling up. You will continue gathering uh, knowledge, and then you will be able to leverage that to actionably create your own freaking empire. And I mean, it's not even, it's not even funny. There are particular habits that you can put into place that sometimes are just a matter of a formula and then you need to plug in the variables and it really can be that simple. So that said, launching your own branch of the business or a completely separate entity is hard stuff. There's a lot of lessons that you have to be willing to learn. There are surprises that come up that you have to be willing to anticipate and handle in a healthy manner. So you've launched this new enterprise 
and how how is it going and what lessons are you learning from it? Wow. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> there's a lot that we could uh, that I could talk about on on that topic. Uh, so so part of the okay. How can I frame this? There are a lot of challenges, right? Um, one of the one of the big challenges I think for for myself in whether I'm consulting someone, building my own business, building someone else's business, is really dialing in that target audience because we all I think I think there's something inside our mind that that says if we narrow our focus too much, we're losing out on so much. Uh, we're, we have to say no to so much and that's limiting our opportunity and will limit our success. When really the I think I think the exact opposite is true. When you can get laser focused and say, I'm serving specifically this type of person. Like for example in in the current business venture I'm building, I'm helping businesses that are already at six figures and I'm helping them grow to seven figures. And I'm working specifically with people who are uh, subject matter experts in a particular field or they're providing some sort of service. And so it's not e-commerce, it's not local businesses, it's not people who are already doing eight figures a year and it's not people who are just getting started, right? So being able to have the the perspective that even when you narrow your focus that way, there are still millions of people that you could potentially help. And so it's not just about narrowing your focus, it's intelligently narrowing your focus to match up with the skill set that you have, the service that you're going to be most able to, to provide to people. And finding that match, I think, is, is a big challenge because we can go talk about marketing tactics, about how to grow a Facebook group or run an ad or build an audience on Instagram or any of these things, but if you don't have these fundamental questions answered about who specifically are you serving and who you are and what you want to provide to that marketplace, then everything else really is for naught. So, so right now the big challenge for me is figuring out within that sphere that I've sort of chosen at this point, what's the messaging going to be, how am I going to position myself, some of these other items, but it still all sort of comes back to that first fundament, fundamental question. So, so that I think is the main thing right now. And what that all has in common is not to be muddy, man. You know, you can't you can't throw in brightly colored clothing with your whites. You can't throw everything all together. It's all going to come out gray and muddy and kind of sludgy. And the same applies, as you've said, to learning who your ideal customer is. If you segment out that ideal customer, let's say you have three target segments of people that you want to sell to, it's important that you have differentiated the offering within those segments, that you have switched up the brand voice, that you are putting the focus on the priority segment, but you're still taking care of those other segments. You know, and the same applies to your services. Um, I was working on a project and we had to make the decision of how specific we are going to get because there is a bit of a balance that you want to strike in that regard. You know, you always want to leave the door a little open so that other people can trickle in who aren't in your segment, but you want that 
you want that to truly be a trickle or an ooze. It's not like, well, we're ushering in another segment. We're talking in exactly the same way because then you'll get nobody because everybody will go, huh, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. So you have to get very, very targeted with it while remaining somewhat flexible at the same time. And I know it just sounds counterintuitive and like a big paradox and, you know, the new math, but it's, uh, it's really not. It's dialing in enough to say, I do this, I don't do that. I serve these clients. I don't serve these clients. And then I think just going even a step further because we always want to be thinking about passive income. If I am getting people coming to me and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I see that you run a marketing company. Do you do graphic design? No, I don't. But I know somebody who does graphic design. And so guess what? Then I set up a referral fee passive income. And I've got a number of people on my team where we have those arrangements. And it's really nice to just get the notification that you've got money in your account and you didn't do a damn thing to get it there. Absolutely true. I mean, that's that's one of the beautiful things about knowing exactly what it is you want to do because then you can say no to these other projects and pass them on exactly as you said, Hillary. So I think that that having this really these really nicely defined as you said it might be three avatars. Uh, if you're just getting started it might be two, maybe it'll be four, uh, but let's say three avatars and you have your different service packages or different uh, courses, whatever your offer is for these avatars, a couple things happen. Uh, as, as we just talked about, you get to say no to things and have these opportunities for passive income. Another thing that happens is if you position yourself correctly, and this is one of the things that I've tried to do by saying, okay, I don't work with anyone who isn't making six figures already, is the people who are close to that want to become a part of that group. They're on the outside looking in, and it's sort of an exclusive community. And so if someone's making $50,000 or $70,000 or $80,000 a year, and they know that this is what I do, then they're going to, maybe they aren't at the level where they can join, say, a consulting program, but they might, because they want to be a part of the exclusive club, so to speak, take one of my premium price courses or something to this effect. So there are multiple strategic objectives you can accomplish by getting really clear about who you speak to and what you do for them. And then when they come rolling in and people contact you and say, you know, uh, I want to work with you and I know you do this, and they're, it's absolutely in agreement with what you're putting out there, you can say yes. And some people might say, well, you don't want to say yes all the time. Let me tell you what. You should be constantly expanding your network to allow in people who will allow you to scale your business. And what do I mean by that? What do we mean by that? Because, Andrew, I know you're there too. Yep. <laughs> you're continually networking. And yeah. And it's much like the HR department, right? Where they, you come in in a corporation and you say, okay, well, I have these skills. And they say, okay, we're going to plug you into this position. But they also keep in mind as they continue to grow in their own business, maybe that means they're opening 300 more stores that year, whatever, that they see you in their story, and they see a continued need for you. And they, and they start to plot out 
how the relationship is going to look. And you can do the same thing as an entrepreneur. You can reach out to somebody and say, oh, wow, look at it. I've checked out their copy. They look really good. If I'm looking for another copywriter, I want to make sure they know their shit. I don't work with people who are training up. Um, it's not because I don't respect them. It is simply because I want to put you on the ground. You better get running. We don't play. <laughs> we're not we're not like one of those modern marketing agencies with a ping pong table in the middle of the room at, you know, that we use to blow off steam or whatever. If if we're working together, you're working, period. So, but when I'm networking, I'm looking for those people. So when the opportunities that are highly, highly targeted come to me, I can say yes. I can say yes all the time because I already have my eye. So I'm a little bit of a stalker and you gotta be okay with that. <laughs> I already have my eye on you. And I'm, I might be reaching out to you. So check it out, people. We're growing all the time. And I might be targeting you. And Andrew might be targeting you. And multiple other people may be doing the same thing, keeping you in mind and you don't even know it. So your conduct, your media, and everything else is important as it surrounds that. But you get highly targeted, just to recap, get highly targeted, say no to what doesn't serve you and your business. And you say yes to everything that does serve you as you're circling the water like a shark for those people that can benefit themselves and your business. Yeah, and Hillary, if I can just underscore that. Um, when, when I'm running my business, and I know for, for people like yourself and like me and, and some of the other people within our circles, we're, we really all, all are looking for looking for these these other contacts exactly as you said like i'm one of the things that i do is i know that for my business to scale there's only so many hours in the day that i can work and even if i bring on a team if even if i bring on staff the my ability to scale in one direction there are going to be certain limitations on that now those might be simple uh, those might be the physical limitations that we can only do so much work in a day. It might be limitations in the size of the market. There are different actual limitations that exist. But when you're also focusing on this networking aspect that Hillary was just talking about, you create the opportunity to expand your business three-dimensionally because to go back to the previous example, Hillary doesn't do graphic design, but she probably has a Rolodex of 10, 20 graphic designers deep that she can access immediately, as do I, as do a lot of the other people in our networks. Uh, so, so this sort of paying attention to this sort of activity and being open to, and I think really studying what are the other opportunities in your marketplace, in your expanded marketplace, all the stuff that you yourself might say no to as a service provider really gives you the opportunity to grow in ways that would be completely impossible if, if you weren't open to those opportunities. That is precisely hitting the nail on the head. It's all about, it's not just about like I'm going to get through the day, but it is about projecting and looking forward. So as we wrap up this episode of the Sick Biz Buzz, I usually ask my guest one question. What's the one thing people don't know about you? 
Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the one thing that people don't know about me is that I have worked in, I have to count them, many languages other than English. So I, I don't actually know off the top of my head. So I have done copy editing in English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, Ukrainian, and Indonesian. So seven languages I've done copy editing and most people probably don't that, know that. Um, that is an incredible offering, and I would push the shit out of you if you had <laughs> not moved into a different <laughs> into a different concentration. But that's amazing! Wow. Yeah, I would never. I mean, how do you guess that about people? And where are you living right now? Because I was looking at your Facebook page. It looks like you're in Cancun. That's correct. I, my wife and I, we tend to spend one year in a given location. Now that's sort of a pattern that's that's existed since we met four years ago. Uh, so we lived in Malaysia and Thailand for a while, then Russia, then China, then the Republic of Georgia, not the state of Georgia. And now we're spending a year in Cancun and who knows what'll be next. Andrew, you are a shut-in, you know, and uh, <laughs> really want to encourage you to expand your horizon. <laughs> no, um, it has been a pleasure to have you on and 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 just dive so deeply into insight and strategy, relevance, and what works. And more importantly, um, you've given people some tremendous pointers to be able to start and continue to run their own business and earn more than a living wage. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Hillary, it was an absolute honor and, uh, and an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, it was one of the highlights of, of February for me at the very least. So thank you again. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. If you know the ins and outs of creative copy and can push innovative and compelling content, you should never go hungry. Throughout decades of change, the consumer's needs have stayed the same. They want to feel warm and cozy, secured, as if they've made a great decision to work with you. They want their needs met easily and conveniently. We learned today that Andrew Walton turned his copywriting business into an entirely different endeavor, helping people level up from six figures into seven. If you are interested in working with Andrew, please reach out to him at his Facebook page, facebook.com slash andrew.walton.58726. We're going to get him to personalize that before the end of the day. <laughs> Did you like what you heard? Please share, subscribe, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. Check out sickbiz.com and immerse yourself in the stories and inspirations of 20 plus guest bloggers. Dive into all of our content, even our newly published resources page, offering help across a multitude of areas in business, finance, mental health support, and even coaching. Text sickbiz to 36260 to get all of that fantasticness and more right at your fingertips. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.